Hi there, I'm Brian Colon, and I'm the creator of Rampage, the arcade game, among others, and you're listening to the Pie Factory Podcast with Sean and Jim. Well, that was uneventful. Hmm. I just heard my chair creak like slowly and loudly and it's been doing that for a long time and i've been putting up lubing it or wd 40 it. by the way wd 40 is not a lube at least not meant to be it's a cleaner Mm -hmm. but i kind of like that the creaking is here so if it comes over the microphone it's very fitting given the vibe of the games that we're talking about in this episode spooky this is a spooky episode oh jimmy g oh yes boo who did i scare you i cried a little Hmm. yeah so welcome back everybody once again oh yeah morris illinois you know me you tolerate me this is jimmy g and uh from chicago you certainly don't tolerate me and i really don't know how many of you actually know me this is sean so how are you, Sean? <laughs> I'm tired and I'm a little bit sore. Oh, I don't remember if I mentioned it last episode, but when uh, we were in London, the the wife and me, that is uh, the wife and I, pardon me. Well, we uh, did hella walking. Hella. And uh, the last day we got back to the hotel room, my feet were in excruciating pain and one of those situations in which when you stand up, your feet are really, really super painful. But after you walk around for a bit, they're better. Well, the next morning, my right foot was 100% fine. No mm-hmm. pain whatsoever. My left foot was still in the exact same predicament. Mm-hmm. And it did not go away for weeks. So I've been doing physical therapy lately. Oh, wow. And in the midst of doing that physical therapy, I developed a pulled muscle in my back that's running down all the way to my elbow. (laughs) And it's getting better gradually, but man, Mm -hmm. right now I cannot find a comfortable position in which to sit. So yeah, I'm going to be wincing in annoying fatigue. It it feels more like a fatigue than a real Mm -hmm. pain at this point. So that's how I'm doing. Thank you for asking. How about you there? Well, given something that's going to happen in tonight's episode, I have a feeling there might actually be more pain, but we'll oh, get geez. to that later. Huh, um, much. I am doing okay. I've been having some trouble with my knee, but it just kind of went away. So oh, good. it's a nice fall crisp day out here. It, it really is. Yeah. It was a beautiful, beautiful fall day today. And yeah. this is the kind of weather I live for because I barely sweat in this kind of weather. Hmm. Yeah, my wife and I went to the Weber Grill restaurant today for uh-huh. lunch to celebrate my birthday a little bit late. Oh, happy birthday. Well, thank you. And we took a nice walk up and down Navy Pier. Uh-huh. Paid homage to Bob Newhart. As, as, as one, one is uh, want to do. And the thing is, there's no signage there. I don't remember when uh, you and I went there a couple of years ago. I don't remember. Actually, no, it was just last. Was it last year or 2021? I think it was last year. But, there's no signage or anything, so if you don't know who that is, you're not going to know who it is. There was a sign when we were there because it had a QR code where you could listen yeah. to a message from Bob Newhart. It's not there anymore, just the statue. Really? 
Yeah, and there's huh. a cop station there who I'm assuming his job is to tell people who that is. Because we're looking at it, and the cop said to us, hey, do you know who this is? And my wife said, that's Bob Hartley. And the cop <laughs> said, that's Bob Newhart. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife had to say, who portrayed Bob Hartley? <laughs> but, Oh, yeah. man. I need and to he's watch like, yeah, that nobody show knows who this is because there's no sign here. So I got to tell people when they walk by if they ask who it is. You know what the, one of the last things he did on TV was? Is he portrayed Professor Proton on The Big Bang Theory. Oh, that's right. Yeah. A lot of people hate that show. I like it. I don't I hate it, but I just don't watch it. The very last episode of that was uh, very touching, very heartwarming, actually. Hmm. And uh, I liked it. Oh, speaking of my birthday. So, I yes, think it's, let's talk more about your birthday. I think it's a propice to a discuss a few of the gifts that my wife gave me. Yes, please do. Starting with... This came out a few months ago. The Lego simulation of the top of a Pac-Man arcade cabinet. Oh, have you put it together yet? Not yet, not yet. Haven't had nice. a chance. I want that one. I just don't have much room for more any more Legos. I don't know. What yeah, same here. I don't have much room for anything here. Yeah. But I remember when that came out, I had thought, this is cool, but it's nothing I'd buy, I'd buy for myself. But if somebody mm. else got it for me, that's another story. Right. So another story happened. Oh. And another Pac-Man related thing. People who listen to our show, at least the last several episodes, might remember that during the recording of an episode, I dropped my etched Pac-Man glass that my wife yeah. got for me for my birthday one year or Christmas or something. And it shattered to a billion trillion pieces. Mm-hmm. And I was obviously ticked off that I did that. So what else my wife got me? Not one, but two pint glasses with etched Pac-Man on them. And they're even better than the last one because uh, Pac-Man is bigger. Mm-hmm. She got them from an ex-coworker who etches glasses. Oh, nice. So they were specially made. So he, these are custom jobs, yeah. And also, nice. this is now this is not something that really applies directly to this podcast, but there were also two other... Yeah, my wife got me two of those things, so if I drop one, hey, I have another. This is something you have actually seen. You've commented on it before, but another pint glass that we had Mm -hmm. had a drawing of the Chicago skyline on it Mm -hmm. with the Chicago band logo over it. Yes, 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 yes. I remember seeing that, yes. Yeah, I mean, we got that many years ago before we really cared much for the band. It was simply because we liked the design. Mm -hmm. Something happened to it. It disappeared one day, so we went and got another at the same store. Well, sometime in the summer, after I poured my morning iced tea into it, I saw that there was a big split right down the middle on one side that was ready to just separate at any point. Oh, man. So I was ticked off. The same guy etched two glasses with that similar design. Oh, sweet. So that that's awesome. Especially because this one's actually etched, the other one was just painted, mm-hmm. and the design started to fade out, fade away. Nice. Etched glass does not fade. So, wow, that's uh that's kind of cool. He made a made you a couple more of those. I'm sure yeah. you had to pay for them, but still. Still, I, I mean, so. etched glass is really cool. There we've mentioned it before that guys at guys games and beer gave us a couple of um, yeah, beer glasses with their logo etched into it. That was yeah, pretty sweet. Yeah, that was sweet. so cool. The, yeah, they just handed them out. Like, oh my god, this is so cool. That they're the so most nice generous guys. They really are. They're such nice guys. And they were at Vintage Computer Fest Midwest this year. Yeah, and I didn't go. 
Yeah, you didn't I go either know. because you had something else you were doing. Like yeah. being over here for my birthday. Yeah. Our birthdays are almost a month apart. I've never, I have never really realized that. Yep. Yeah. So uh, I had some friends over. We well, talked. a month and several, several years. Well, yeah. But uh, I had had you and some other friends over, uh, uh, Duke, and uh, see some uh, a couple of a, a guy I went to high school with, and a guy I used to be involved in politics with, and I think that was it. I invited a few more people, but they were unable to make it, even though one of them specifically took the night off of work to uh, to come out. They had something come up that they had to do. They had to oh yeah, of. it was but still a nice time though. It was good. We were just sitting on the back porch, just relaxing. I was originally planning on playing some movies or video games outside because I got one of those inflatable movie screens and I have a a little projector here, which actually works good with my Collector Vision Phoenix. Hmm. And uh, I was going to hook it up, but I decided not to. Because we were just enjoying the time. When it got dark out, we just came inside and played some Atari 50 for the first time for Sean. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, that, I was impressed. That's a that's a great collection. Yeah. And uh, the fact that there's prototypes on there. The only thing I don't oh, yeah. like is uh, it's, it's really difficult to unlock a few of the uh, unlockable games. And some of the unlockable games are 2,600. And all the unlockable games are 2,600 games that you've already, almost all we already played before. Oh yeah, and yeah, um, sure. It would be neat if the if like the like they had other titles on there that were unlockables. Hmm. The thing I love most about that collection is, the exception of the Atari ST, it has games from every iteration of Atari, not Atari Games, the arcade company, but uh, but the other Atari. And we're talking even back to the uh, the bronze era of video games. Oh with yeah, like uh, with like what was that one game that had? It was a racing game. It was like eight players. Oh, oh God. And they had fire truck called, on there, which was which is which is yeah. I've never I, I've we had to talk about that game. I never I had never played it in the arcade, but I did play it on the Atari fifty. And Galloping Ghost got it not that long ago. Yeah, they've um, been getting some interesting games lately. Yeah, they have. I'm grateful because there's a guy that's been attending the uh, the Galloping Ghost uh, unveilings and taking pictures of the whole event. And I'm not talking about a few, we're like, talking like 30, 40 pictures. <laughs> you, play, you can you always play watch them. it on Twitch too. Oh yeah, that's true. I, I don't do, do a whole lot on Twitch, even though. Uh, that's about the podcast. only thing I watch. I, I use Twitch for just to watch uh, repeats of uh, the unveilings. Well, my nephew has a, uh, has a Twitch channel and I'll tune into that from time to time. And he just plays games on Twitch and uh, yeah, he enjoys doing it. So, you know, so what have you uh, what have you been playing? Oh wow! Um, obviously the games that we are discussing this morning. Mm-hmm. And as I do at least once a month, I go to a arcade, usually Underground Retrocade, and uh, this time between episodes was no exception. Went to Retrocade on uh, the Saturday before my birthday, mm-hmm. which oh that was a week ago right now. Okay, yeah, and. Um, I beat my personal best in Centipede again, so I'm now oh, wow. in the 262,000 nice. neighborhood. And, oh, what else did I beat my personal best in? Uh, Tubin. I was really, really, really getting into Tubin. Uh-huh. Because, man, I once you find a groove, I mean, I know you're not a big fan of it, especially because of the control scheme, but really, right. once you find a groove mm-hmm. and um, you realize that there are some enemies there that you can throw a can at and... Uh, basically save your butt before they get a chance to bite your butt. That's a uh-huh. pretty handy thing. And 
before you know it, you've already gone through like three rivers. Nice. <laughs> and it's it, it's just such a fun time. And I should give that game another try. And I'm only bringing this up because it is tangentially related to our topic here. Something I rarely do is go to the movie theater mm-hmm. simply because there's rarely anything that really interests me uh-huh. that I find worth leaving the house and uh, paying the admission price for. But I took a movie break during my trip to Underground Retrocade, mm-hmm. partly because, number one, I really miss movie theater popcorn. I love movie mm-hmm. theater popcorn. I know that most places, the stuff they put on is not actually butter. It's a mystery substance that has right. a buttery flavor, but I still love it. And number two, I was really particularly curious. I wanted to see a movie that wasn't too terribly long, that looked like it might have been kind of entertaining, because I, I don't like straight-ahead dramas. I'm not... Right. Horror, horror. The horror genre bores me, and I didn't want to see a little kid flick. So I figured, oh, this movie Dumb Money looks interesting, and it really, really was. Um, I, I remember seeing ads for that on uh, on Facebook and other places, and yeah. it didn't sound interesting to me, but then I, re- then I read a, a, a brief synopsis of it. Yeah. Realized it was about the whole uh, GameStop thing. Yes, and yes. Uh, then my interest was peaked. But uh, it was it was so well done. And yeah. uh, Paul Dano, oh really my good. god, he is such a great actor. I've only seen him in one thing, and that was the Batman. He was pretty good as the Riddler. Yeah, His take he, on the Riddler was very interesting. He was very good as a uh, 1960s Brian Wilson too. He different really movie, was. I'm assuming. Very different movie, yeah. But I, and I'm watching just really teeny weeny spoilers here, and I'm wa- I'm sitting there watching Dumb Money, and I'm seeing people I didn't know was gonna were gonna be in the movie, like Pete Davidson, who is essentially playing himself. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know anything he's been in. I know of the name. There's a, like the huge. He was like a meme for a while. Yeah, yeah, but if people have seen him in on uh, Saturday Night Live, that's pretty much who he was playing. In, oh, in he's from Money. SNL. Okay, yeah, I haven't watched and, that show in so long. And Nick Offerman show. was in it. I, I almost really? squealed like a little girl when I saw him on the screen. I was like, eh, "It's Rod native Swanson. of uh, native of Minooka, Illinois, just a few short yep. miles from where I live." Yep, yep. Because I'm a fan of just about everything he does. So I was excited when I he haven't was seen on the screen. Done. He did a horror series recently, I believe. Oh, really? Uh, the Last of Us. I think he was in hmm. that. Was he in? The, oh, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. It was about, it's another zombie thing, but there's a, he, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he plays a gay survivor of the zombie apocalypse, hmm. which is the zombie apocalypse uh, in this movie is uh, caused by a fungus that grows uh-huh. on the brain, which is a little more believable than some. Which is yet another reason I don't eat mushrooms. My thing with mushrooms, the only sandwich that I really will only touch mushrooms on is um, Hardy's uh, Mushroom and Swiss because the gravy it's in Uh, is really good. My problem with mushrooms is the uh, texture. I just don't like it. That's a big problem with me too, yeah. Yeah. But uh, at any rate, so. Yeah, that's that's what I've been doing lately. Uh, Oh, what the hell else? I've seen two movies this year, but that was a while back. I saw Uh. The Flash. And the the very opening action sequence in that movie was the CGI was so bad we almost left the theater. Fortunately, mm. it was the but we I stuck through it and found the movie overall entertaining. Even though uh, the person who plays the Flash is very extremely problematic, mm. it was nice to see Michael Keaton as Batman again, though. 
there, I'm going to spoil it. At the very end, it, it's it's about multiverses and time travel and all of this other stuff. By the way, if you don't want to hear this, skip 40 seconds. And at the end of the film, in the multiverse, he encounters uh, Christopher Reeve's Superman and uh, the other guy and even Nicolas Cage's Superman from the Superman movie that was never made. And mm-hmm. uh, the timeline changes and the Batman that starts the movie is Ben Affleck. He goes into a different multiverse, and it's uh, Michael Keaton. And after he changes the course of time, it's uh, George Clooney at the end of the film. Oh, jeez. I actually got a big chuckle out of that. That was kind of funny. But that was a part of a double feature, uh, and that was the second movie. The first movie was Barbie. Oh, yes. I remember you talking about that. I loved that movie. That was that was very, very funny. I'm not going to spoil the end of this movie because this is a must-see. But the very last line in the movie was hilarious. Hmm. Holy... Margot I'm dead Ro- curious. I'm Rob- seriously dead curious about that movie. Margot Robbie was the perfect casting choice for Barbie. Ryan Gosling was a hilarious Ken. And he, hmm. he stole almost every scene he was in. <laughs> I mean, he was that good. Kate McKinnon was in it. She played a character yep. called Weird Barbie. Hmm. Is like the Barbie that has been played with and loved so much that it started losing its hair and <laughs> had like stuff drawn all over it and that sort of thing. And um, it was a really, it was really good. I was telling my wife that I know exactly what was going to happen with this movie because she was thinking it was going to be a big flop after all this uh, hype and everything. I said, no, this is going to be a hit and I'll tell you exactly what will happen. When this movie is still in theaters, there are going to be some college football late summer practices going on. And there are going to be football players who just for a laugh are going to say, Hey, let's go see that Barbie movie. (laughs) And they'll end up freaking loving it. It it was really well written. That was the thing that got me the most. (laughs) And of course now Mattel wants to turn all of their properties into a a cinematic universe. And even talking about route. Jeez. They're talking about even a magic eight ball movie. I don't think that's going to get made, but they're talking about a sequel to the Barbie movie, and I don't know how you can do it. But if they really the six- want to get serious, they'll do. Didn't Mattel uh, own uh, Vec? No, that was Milton Bradley who who owned Vectrex. After yes, a while. that was Milton okay. Bradley. But that right. was a good movie. No. Oh, they need to make an Intellivision movie then. Well, they don't own the rights to that anymore. Really? Who does? Uh, Intellivision Productions. You know the whole thing with the uh, Intellivision Amico. Oh that, god, that, that okay. Yeah, that All that right. D bag owns, owns the 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 company and the properties now, or the <laughs> yeah, the product and the properties. But as far as what I've been playing, I've been really hitting games on the uh, on the NES hard because I got a bunch of prototypes on there, and I I don't know if I mentioned last episode that there's a prototype for hard driving for the NES, and I was really? playing it, oh. and I'm like, this is really well done, but it like crashed on a curve. There were obvious graphical glitches, but surprisingly not in the 3D section, in the uh, hmm. in the control panel where you got your speed and fuel and all that. So I was playing it again tonight, and I was going to play it some more, but I had to get ready for recording. And uh, I s- took a slow around the curve on the stunt track, and I was watching the, uh, you know, the, the loop on hard driving, and I was watching oh, yeah. it approach, and I'm like, they did a bang-up job on this. I mean, I'm just obviously, yeah, there were still bugs in this thing. It was never released, but I'm like, I would have paid good money for that because they were doing a really impressive job with that particular port. You wouldn't think the NES would be able to handle it, but it was handling it pretty well. 
So I'm going to, I'm going to experiment with that a little bit more. Cause that was pretty cool. And I've been playing with other, uh, other just, I've, I've, I found uh, a bunch of uh, ROMs <clears throat> in a uh, convenient zip file. And uh, I've been just really exploring a lot of the stuff, a lot of the, the different games in there that I haven't uh, played <laughs> almost seriously considering doing a segment about uh, highlighting a game that we've talked about in the NES port of it. Huh. <laughs> and I think the very first one I would do would be hard driving, even well, though maybe you, for people uh, might uh, have the gist of it. But yeah, the gyrus was ported to it, and I'm actually warming up to that version a little bit more. Uh, Millipede, uh, the Galaxian sequel, Vindicators, Zybots. Uh, one game that was ported to it that I didn't see in this collection was Space Harrier. I've played that before, and it was... Actually, a really good port. Uh, Shinobi. Have we talked about Shinobi? I think we did. I don't think so. Might not have. Well, if you not, know, there's a way I can find out really quickly. Let's yeah, and see. I got the spreadsheet here. Hold on. And I'll talk more about that in a moment. You probably have. That's like a, that'd be a game that. Uh, we have not talked about Shinobi. We have not. Okay. We have not. I thought I had it on the list here. If you did, you had it wrong. No, I mean in the. Um, I'll add it back. I oh, could have I had list. it on the uh, to talk about list. Right. Yeah. If you don't put it on there, I've never played it. I have no idea what it's all about. I, but I know that we should get to it. Oh, here's one I can remove because we're going to be talking about this one tonight. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I've been getting a, I've been getting a kick out of it. Before too long, I think I'm going to get back into the master system and play some stuff Ooh. on there. But uh, for now, um, I'm really enjoying the uh, the NES. That. I have way too many, many uh, consoles right now. And the thing is, is that, well, holy crap. Did I just say that? Yes, you did. Oh man. It's been so long since <laughs> I've said been, that. It's been what? Three years ish at least. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the thing with the thing is when you were back then, I mean, you had like the Atari 2600 and you're like, your friends were bragging about the Intellivision. You're always like, well, my Atari has this, 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 and it doesn't have those complicated. You're always curious about what the other games were like, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even if you had friends that uh, had the game, I had what a friend had in television, would never let me never let me play it. But even if you had that, you're always curious about the other games and the other versions. And I, that's why some people, I think, collect all of this stuff is because they're curious and uh, they want to yep. see what they were missing out on. As kids, we didn't realize how many games were actually released across Atari, Coleco, oh, yeah. and Mattel. And then in the middle of the 80s, you had NES and the Sega Master System to the fold. And then at the beginning of the 90s, you have the 7800, the Genesis, and the, the Super Nintendo. And even then, you don't know how many, you don't even talk about the games that were released overseas or prototypes yep. or whatever. I mean, back when I had uh, the Coleco Atom, I didn't realize that Caterpillar actually used a ColecoVision to make a, uh, a demo game that demonstrates like one of their technology systems that they were using in, uh, in Caterpillar showrooms. Yep. And uh, it's, it's, it's like the neat things like that, like the hard driving prototype, like, like the, the Caterpillar thing, like, um, yeah. And, um, uh, and those TV stations where they had that TV pow and TV picks over in New York city, they were using, uh, what was that? A fair shot. They used it in television later, but they started with, I think, a Fairchild. Uh huh. Yeah, that's that what they was were using for those games. <laughs> I, I, I think you meant it was either you or somebody else was talking about how they did that, and that was so low tech. Is yeah. a power that somebody on, on in the mm -hmm. studio actually presses the button. Yep. But I mean, what you gonna do? You know. 
so yeah, I mean, it's it's a joy and a curse to you know to be collecting <laughs> systems just to play. Yeah, and I've I've gotten out of collecting games anymore. I just get a flash cart. Yep, that's the a, way to go for me yeah, at least. Because it's it's I mean, I, if there's something still unique, I might I may look at it, but uh, but for the most part, I got everything I want to play here, with the exception of <laughs> any Space Harry, which I got to get that. But mm. uh, I'm sure I got other games. I didn't. The, the thing is, I didn't load all the ROMs to the flash cart yet that I downloaded. Because there's there's a lot of categories they had on there. Oh yeah. But, uh, oh, while I was at Underground Retrocade, mm-hmm. I was interviewed for a documentary again. Oh, yeah? yeah, they were broadcast students from Glenbard North High School. Glenbard North. Why does that sound familiar? Because it's in the area. <laughs> no, wasn't there one of the, one of the wasn't Glenbard North in uh, Breakfast Club or something? I want to say that was uh, one of the um, main schools or something. I don't know. Was it, wait, or was it Glenbard East? It was either Glenbard North or Glen. I want to say it was Glenbard North. Main North High School in Des Plaines. Is what, yeah. Uh, the yeah, I had cousins who went to one of the Glenbard. They went to Glenbard East. And uh, I have an uncle who went to one of the main schools. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so no matter what you say, there's a family connection there. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, they were high school students and yet they still were like super professional and they, mm-hmm. they were pretty, I would, they were, they did a pretty impressive job of uh, getting their lighting right and everything. And okay. Glenbrook North was in uh Ferris Bueller's day off. Yeah. But you said Glenbard. Glenbard. Yeah. Combination of Glendale Heights or Glen Ellen, depending on how you look at it and Lombard. Man, there's Chicago has too many suburbs with the names Glen, Brook, Oak, Forest, or Park in their name. Yep. Especially Oak and with any combination of park, forest, and uh Yeah, Oak Park, Oak Forest, Oak Lawn. Oak Brook. Oak Brook, yep. Oak Brook Terrace, which is a separate town. And then there's Forest Park. <laughs> yep. Man, it, it's like somebody put a whole bunch of uh nouns in a bag and they yeah, shut the bag up and they like they nature out nouns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a forest park and a park forest. I remember when I lived down in uh down Bourbon Anyway. There was a, mo- a mobile home park there called Prairie Harbor. <laughs> they, Harbor? Had a big old, they had a big old anchor out front. There was a, they're nowhere near navigable water. That was, I, we always got a kick out of that. Good Lord. I know. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, and in Pie Factory podcast news, by the way, oh. uh, those of you who follow us on the various social media probably already know about this, but... Finally got the revamped version of our website up and running. So if you go to piefactorypodcast.com, you'll see uh, a slightly new version of the site. Uh, I think it's I think it's a much more helpful thing than what we had before. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a new feature. If you click on the link that says Games Discussed, you'll get an alphabetical list Ooh. of the arcade games that we've talked about on this podcast and the episode in which they're talked about. And the episode has a link so you can jump straight to that episode and listen nice. to it right there in your browser. And if you don't like to scroll, there is a little text box where you can start typing in and uh, what you type will be filtered and drilled down to. Nice. And if you go into contact us, you'll have a, a little contact form you can fill out if you want to send us a message. And um, also the social media on which we are on on which we are on, sorry about that redundancy there, including a link to our Discord server, because people yeah. have asked us before, and finally we have it somewhere that anybody can get to it, so 
You don't need to get the ever-changing invite code because this is a permanent link. This should and there's always actually work. activity on the Discord server. Yeah. Granted, not as much as Ferg has. No, not, not nearly <laughs> as much. No, no. But hey, still, come and visit. Yeah. And also, it's not 100% mobile friendly right now, but uh, we're going to work on that next. When you say we're going to work on that, you mean you. Yeah. Yeah. And I already I'm... see there's a broken link up there. Uh-oh. Um, yeah. Ooh, the podcast addict link isn't, or it's not a broken link. It's a, the link itself is not broken. It's the graphic that's missing. Hmm. Ah. I have to file a bug report to the webmaster, who is I, by the way. <laughs> oh. oh, boy. So with all of that, do we have any addenda and errata? <laughs> Hide, please drop the music in here. <laughs> I haven't heard that song in so long. Yeah, it's because we've been right all along, except for one major thing. Oh? This here that we are recording is episode 141. Mm-hmm. In episode 140, we addressed the rumor that Atari was buying Atari Age. Mm-hmm. We said, no, it's not happening. Oh, yeah. You know what happened, Jimmy G? Yes. Mm-hmm. Atari bought Atari, Atari Age. Age. <laughs> I don't know what that's all about. It definitely explains a lot. It explains a lot. But And the way Albert was talking, he's like, hey, it's still technically my site. Uh, nothing's going to change. It's going to be all seamless. All the moderators are staying and all this. All the boards are staying. The, the store is staying. Everything's staying but I'm now an Atari employee. And of course there are some concerns being raised. Like like I think there's a implication that some people are worrying that, okay, fine. Albert's an Atari employee, but what happens Mm -hmm. if he's suddenly no longer an Atari employee? Will he still retain the site and all this? And did they just hire him simply so they could get the site and then edge him out? Or I don't know. I don't want to make any accusations or well, anything. Well, Atari they... did also buy out Moby Games a while back. So. Oh, really? Yep. I did not know about that. Yep. There were also, there were, a while back, there was a forum called Nintendo Age, and it was bought out by Heritage Auctions. It might have been Heritage Auctions bought it out. All right, that's yeah. it. I'm gonna make a. I'm going to make a forum that has big brand name in its title. And see if I can get bought out. <laughs> that reminds me of that episode of The Simpsons where <laughs> Homer, Homer uh, creates the, starts that. that CompuGlobal net. Yes. And Bill Gates is like, we don't know what you do, but you could be a competitor. So we're going to buy you out. I accept your offer. Okay, boys, buy them out. And then the guys just start. <laughs> and Bill Gates, the guys just start destroying everything. Yep. Like, I thought you were going to buy me out. He's like, I couldn't, I wouldn't stay in business very long if I bought out all my competitors. Yep. What was I saying? Oh yeah, but they they bought out like Nintendo Age for their for their databases, and then they closed the forums and shut everything down. I think the current management of Atari won't do that. Yeah, if they don't want to cause a real problem in the Atari community and have all kinds of bad blood, they mm-hmm. will not do that. However, what happens if the Atari name gets sold again? <laughs> yeah. I'm not worried about current Atari. I'm worried about future Atari. Right. In politics, the adage is never give yourself power you don't want others to have. And yep. uh, it would be cool if Albert could find a way to buy Atari himself. Don't think he has the money. I don't think so. I mean, I don't want to count his money or anything, but I agree. But um, 
It would be nice if Nolan Bushnell could buy it back. Oh, yeah. But the thing is, that really does explain why all those homebrew versions of Mm -hmm. other games suddenly disappeared with a few notable exceptions, like, say, Centipede Trackball in the 7800. They're basically Centipede, Space Duel, other Atari titles, plus, interestingly, Frenzy, which, as we talked about before, as you mentioned, Atari now owns Frenzy and Berserk, which is why that one is still on the Atari Age store. And speaking of Berserk, I just pointed this out to you before we started um, recording. Uh, I got an email in the last week for a, uh, for a new uh, recharged game from Atari, uh, Berserk yep. Recharged. And um, I'm cautiously optimistic about it because I really enjoyed um, – I really enjoy, actually, because I'm still playing it, uh, Yars Revenge Recharged. Uh, but I didn't care much for Caverns of Mars Recharged. I'm told that uh, Black Widow Recharged is really good, but I haven't uh, played that yet. But uh, we'll see what happens. The video I saw looks kind of neat. It, only thing, it looks a little too much uh, like, what did I say it was? Like Smash TV? Yeah. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. Just, I'm just going to wait and see. And really, the Recharged games that I've uh, purchased so far weren't that expensive, so you're not going to hmm. get out a whole ton of cash. Sure. So, but something I did notice is that not every port of other licensed games on Atari Age on their store that are not owned by Atari are taken off. Like case in point, twenty forty eight for Atari seventy eight hundred. That's a port of a licensed game, but it's not owned by Atari. The Chaos Engine for the Jaguar too. That's a Bitmap Brothers game. Mm-hmm. A homebrew version of that is still available on the Atari Age store. So unless. Atari bought out Bitmap Brothers and word hasn't gotten out yet. So I'm I just don't know what the modus operandi is. Okay, well is. here you go. You can still get Asteroids Deluxe for the 7800 Crystal Quest uh, as you were saying the Centipede uh trackball. Yeah, Crystal Quest I don't even count because it's Well, that, Bentley Bear though. Bentley is, Bear, yes, is owned but, by Atari. Bentley Bear is owned by Atari, but you could always rename Bentley Bear so it doesn't True. Uh, Frenzy property. is there. Yeah. Space Duel. Yep. Atari. Super Circus Atari Age, which I don't know if I should count that one or not. Yeah, I that, I don't that one's that a little one. weird. But those are all still in the 7800 store. Yep. So it's not like everything's gone away. So mm-hmm. the, the nice thing, too, though, is that since they, um, Atari bought out Atari Age, that did protect the Atari IP uh, homebrew games. Oh, wait a minute. Atari 2600 trackball series. Let's see what we got here. Centipede, Millipede, Missile Command. Okay, Albert's going to have to change that because the on the uh, landing page, they show Reactor, which that's been taken off. Hmm. I'm glad I got the Star Wars trackball arcade edition before they uh, downgraded the store. Oh, I should get Avalanche for the 2600. And, of course, there are no longer downloadable ROMs on uh, the rarity guides. There's other place to get those, though. AtariMania.com. But at any rate, yeah, so, uh, yeah, there you go with that. There I go. And going is half the battle. Wait, what? Yojo. Yojo. So, all right, uh, should we get this next thing over with? (laughs) I think I know what you're talking about. And I got my car keys in my hand because I have a uh, bottle opener on it. 
Nice yep. metal one, actually. That's yep, my wife has one on hers, too, because she says every teacher has a bottle opener. <laughs> thing is, she she has hardly touched alcohol in like the last five years. So oh, God, I saw this great... Uh, put I'm some on in this, her eggnog, but that's about it. I'm on this great Facebook page. It's about bizarre signs. There was yep. one at a liquor store. It said, school's back. Teachers can't hit the kids, but they can hit the bottle. Yep. <laughs> I love yeah, that. my wife was a teetotaler until she became a teacher. Teetotaling teacher. She's a teetotaler again, though. <laughs> she heart, she rarely touches the stuff anymore. Now, people can't see this, but the bottle of drink I'm having here. Yeah. Uh, Sean put a nice label on it that says, Drinking Arena, and so I haven't touched it. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure you didn't absentmindedly try it. Ooh, I'll try this. <laughs> Should we have a special theme for this edition? What's the theme? No, I mean a special musical theme. Well, if we can get Scattered Frog to come up with something, it's going to cost us extra. Because there's two special things about this. The drink itself and the yeah. fact we're going to be both doing it at the same time. Yeah. And um, it didn't occur to me until just now, but the name of it actually is almost thematic with tonight. Oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Do you want to reveal the name of the drink? The name of the drink, it is from uh, the people at Rocket Fizz. Ghost yes. Pepper Soda. Now... I can handle most hot foods. Uh, our friend uh, Andrew made me some really good. Uh, I can't remember if it was ghost pepper or um, or Carolina Reaper hot sauce, mm. but it was not as spicy as you think it would be, but it had a really great flavor. And it's mm. gone. Oh, we finally finished it. Yeah. Fun fact, I've known him four years longer than I've known you. Really? Yep. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But uh, every now and then we'll send me like hot sauce. And well, he lives in Hot Sauce Central. Yeah. Hot sauce is a cottage industry everywhere these days. Especially if you would have been to the uh, hot sauce expo here in Joliet, you would have. I still can't believe how how many people were there. I think you would have a blast even if you don't like hot foods. But uh, that having been said, I'm wanting to go ahead. This isn't chilled. I wonder if I should. Okay, mine. Mine is. I put it in a glass filled with uh, ice, courtesy of the ice machine my mother got me for Christmas. Here we go. I'm taking the top off. Yep. Here we go. All right, now I'll take a sip. I'm just going to take oh, it really easy. I'm going to take a quick whiff of it first. That's an interesting flavor smell. Hmm. Okay. Through the teeth and over the gums, look out stomach. Here it comes. All right. Do you have milk with you and bread? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Off the top, it's not as spicy as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I, I agree. It has a really good flavor. Okay, remember how... In a recent drinking arena, I talked about, I don't remember what drink it was, but I had said that it tasted like swimming pool accessories. Mm-hmm. This kind of has that same feel to it. Now, it does have a little bit of hotness to it, now, but it's not overwhelming. I have smelled ghost peppers, and this smells, it actually has a ghost peppery taste. You can taste the fruitiness of the ghost pepper in here. Yeah, it does have kind of a frutile flavor to it. It's less spicy than the buffalo chicken soda that I had the one time. I like this. This is really good. It's not bad. It's is interesting. It? There's a warning label on this. Warning! This soda is very hot. Your mouth yeah. may catch fire. Drink at your own risk. Now, since this isn't a glass bottle, I have to do this. Like that. Mm, that's an A. 
This is deli- I'm tempted to save some of this for my daughter when she gets off of work. Hmm. What time is it? Nine o'clock, so she should be coming home before too long. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, yeah, I, do not, I, I was thinking I'd need an emergency drink, but no. Well, this I is, do have a water here because this isn't going to last this whole episode because I'm going to down it right now. I, I, I even took a big swig this last time. Oh, yeah, me too. Ingredients contain carbonated artisan spring water. Everything's artisan these days. Hurricane sugar, citric acid, red pepper extract, natural and artificial flavors, gum acacia, yellow six, red 40, Flash pasteurized for stability and safety. <laughs> it's de- it's decidedly not hot. There's a little bit of a tingle, which is quite pleasant actually. Yeah, I can. It's, do it's, al- it's yeah. almost a uh, ginger ale tingle, like a like a a harder ginger ale in a way. Uh, that's not artisan spring water. It's artesian spring water. Oh, okay. The lighting is bad here. Still though, artisan artesian. Are there or aren't there artesians? Think one will ever be found. Hmm. So pour me another cold oly, my friend. The question is worth one more round. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the Great White North album, Bob and Doug McKenzie, they were came, they were going to do the theme. Use, they were doing the theme using uh, beer bottles with different levels of uh, beer in them. Hmm. I want to say I have that album. I'll have to check. What, the, the the Bob and Doug? Yeah. I got the CD here with that somewhere. We'll see if I entered it into Discogs. It isn't one specific bit on the album. It's over, it's over, it's over the course of a few bits. Yeah, this is pleasant. I like it. So, I'm almost done. I might as well finish it up. Mm-hmm. This would actually be good with a scoop of ice cream. Oh, I don't appear to have... The album, but in our singles collection is the single of Take Off. That was the, the drinking arena. Yeah. Oh, gosh. That was a belch. Oh, that and the B, the, the B side of this particular copy of Take Off is the 12 Days of Christmas, which is we one did. of the very few acceptable versions of that song. There is not opinion. very many good versions of that. No. I didn't, that, as much as I love that Twisted Sister Christmas album, their version of the 12 Days of Christmas was still pretty lame. Hmm. So should we uh, get to talking about just some games here? Yeah, we should, actually. Yeah, because okay. we are, let's see, how far in? We're nearly 50 minutes into the recording. We should start yeah, we're doing quite what we're supposed in. to do. Depending on how much Hyde had to edit, there might be even fewer minutes into our raw recording. Yeah, because I don't have a whole lot on my game. <laughs> it's... This, we wanted to do a, like a, should I uh, tip our hand as to the theme? I think it's kind of obvious given the games we're talking about, but we've done like a Christmas episode. We've done the Valentine's Day thing with uh, the adult games, which we did early on in the, in the, in the series. Yeah. And um, we've never really done a, ho- a Halloween themed show. Nope. And uh, we figured, well, we got a couple of games here that are monster themed and, um, so why don't we talk about those? So yeah, it's it's just a, this is just our spooky Halloween episode, and you're right, the uh, <laughs> ghost pepper soda uh, actually ghost you know ties into it. So yeah, I'll just, I'll talk about Monster Bash first. We'll just get this out of the way. <laughs> this might be okay. one of our shorter episodes. Okay, so Monster Bash is copyright uh, November 1982 Sega. 
That's when it was released in the U.S. The control panel consists of a four-way joystick and a zap button. Now, the object, the game, you control a character known as Little Red. Uh, in the Japanese version, he has a different name, and I don't didn't put that in my notes. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, that could be an errata or an addenda. It, but at any rate, more. the object of the game, you're in the maze with the main monster of the level and then little pawn monsters, I guess. I don't know what they're called. The object is to destroy the big main monster. There's three different levels. There's Dracula, Frankenstein, and the Chameleon Man, which we'll talk about him in a bit. But the way you destroy them, first of all, it took me a long time without instructions on how to figure out how to play this damn game. I was going to say, why didn't you just look it up? (laughs) Well, I did at this point. But but when I first saw this in the arcade, I couldn't figure it out for the life of me. But... uh, so how do you destroy the, uh, the well, first of all, you have a, a zap button, and that just shoots out a little particle, which you can destroy the, uh, the, the little characters. But to uh, kill Dracula, Frankenstein, or the Chameleon Man, it requires you to do a couple of tasks. One is to light a candle just by touching it. And then there's a sword icon sort of in the upper middle of the screen. And then you got to touch that. And then that turns your zap button into a super zap. Not to be confused with the super zapper in Tempest. No, no, no. And you only get one super zap shot, and you have to use it before, uh, I believe, the candle melts away. Then you just sh- hit the button, and if uh, the shot hits the, the main villain, then uh, you go to the next level. The first two levels are, this is kind of weird with this game. The first two levels are Dracula's house and Frankenstein's castle, which are platforms and ladders. The third one is the chameleon man's graveyard, which is a, actually a maze. I mean, they control basically the same, but it's like a different, I don't know, perspective. But uh, but each level has floors and whatever, different enemies you can destroy with the zap button. Dracula's house has warp doors that the player can enter to go to different parts of the house. And in addition to um, Dracula, the enemies uh, there are bats. Now, in Frankenstein's castle, and that's what it's called, Frankenstein's castle, not Frankenstein's monster's castle... But then again... Well, why would the monster have his own castle? Yeah, that, that's just what I'm thinking, too. But this castle, the additional enemies are wolfmen. And these characters can actually duck <laughs> under Little Red's shots. Uh, there's only one candle on this level. I think there's like four to six on the Dracula's house. I didn't actually count that, but there's more than just one. Now there are warp doors on this one, but they can only be used when they flash. Yep. And they actually have special zones that you can uh, jump down just to stand on them and press down on the joystick and... Uh, yeah, you can go down several levels at once, and if there's any wolfmen in the way, uh, you kill them as you uh, fall down. Mm. Now, Chameleon Man's Graveyard. Again, this has only one candle, and it's in like kind of like a crypt in there. Now, first of all, the additional enemies on this one are spiders. Now, first of all, Chameleon Man is a, a monster they made up. They didn't go with like another classic like uh, the Wolfman or the Invisible yeah. Man or something like that. They created their own for this one. And if you really want to think about it, I guess they could have done the creature from the Black Lagoon, but I think that is actually a licensed character, so they would have had to oh, shell yeah. out some cash for that. Fun fact, Clint Eastwood's first movie was uh, Return of the Creature, and that movie was in 3D. Clint Eastwood played a scientist, and the only thing he did, he delivered one line and pulled a mouse out of his pocket and held it right in front of the screen. I think, wasn't that uh, a Son of Sven feature one year back in the- Yes, it was. Back in the 80s, Son of yeah. had that on. It wasn't just in Chicago. Other uh, local horror hosts had it 
on their yeah. shows as well. And you'd have to go to 7-Eleven to buy the 3D glasses. Yeah. I think they were free, actually. Hmm. So you could watch it. And um, so, yeah. Uh, so that was that's a fun little bit of trivia there. Now, the different thing with the, the Chameleon Man's graveyard, this isn't like a platform. It's, a, it's an actual maze. But like I said, they basically control the same through the levels. The Chameleon Man, he's supposed to turn invisible to... Uh, but, not turn invisible like to the hide in the maze, but he just turns black. And my wife just walked in the door, and I can hear her. Now, there's a uh, like a blue, a yellow, and a red button. I think on the floor. I don't remember. There's three different color buttons on the floor, and when you step on one, the chameleon man will change color so that you can see him better. It'll also activate doors, and you have to open doors to get to the candle in the middle. Besides that, it plays exactly like the uh, the rest of the game. Oh, this level doesn't have like warp doors, but they do have a like a warp tunnel at the very top on the sides. You can go through and go to the other side of the screen. Oh, I got killed every time I tried using that thing. Yeah, me too. And uh, the only other real thing about this game, uh, I tried looking for like the scoring a scoring table or something. I couldn't find a, a manual online for this. And the problem with this game was. There were other games called Monster Bash. There was a pinball game, which was unrelated. There was a computer game that was unrelated. So I had a, could not find a manual for this one. I did find a Japanese uh, flyer for it, but, you know, I don't speak Japanese. But uh, Plant Mouse does, though. Oh. Oh. Hmm. We'll have to think about that a little. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but um, so, yeah, I, I couldn't get a, a, a scoring... Uh, thing if let's see if there's like bonuses or whatever but uh and there were absolutely zero home ports of this game however the rumor has it that this game inspired the game ghost house for the sega master system and that ghost house was uh one of the games that was released on a card so master system was the first game system to actually use cards for hmm. uh for games only games that didn't require a whole lot of memory and they plugged into a little card slot in the front the last edition, I think it's the version 3 Master System. I could be wrong on that. But the last one that was released uh, didn't have a slot for the cards. And I don't think the Master System converter for the Genesis had a card slot either. Oh, and they also used the card slot on the Master System to plug the 3D glasses in, which I still want to get a pair of those, even though I can't. Oh, going back a second, um, just for shits and giggles, when I got this NES from um, uh, Nate Lockhart, Mm-hmm. He also included a, uh, a zapper, an NES zapper. And for just for grins, I tried it on the uh, on my LCD TV. Yeah, it didn't work. Okay. <laughs> but you, you know what? When I worked at KB Toys in the 80s, we would sell like Robot Tank for the 2600, and it had a label, doesn't work for the 7800. Yep, mine did. So you don't know until you try. Yeah, like I, I have a couple of 7800s that play ro- everything that it's not supposed to play. <laughs> yeah. So you know what? It doesn't hurt to give it a shot. Yeah. Oh, what's it going to cost you a few seconds of your time? So that's about all the information I have about Ghost House. The graphics gave me a Pango vibe. Hmm. Just, I don't know, something about it. They were a lot more cluttered, but they, they it looked like they tried for the same uh, kind of feel in the graphics. I can almost dig that. Uh, I was also thinking kind of Mr. Dew's Castle. Oh, the Dracula's house. Yeah, definitely had a uh, Mr. Dew's Castle. And by the way, isn't it interesting that Dracula has a house... And Frankenstein has a castle. I don't know. They should both have castles, I think. Yeah. 
That's yeah, actually especially because heard... wasn't Dracula was a count. That's uh, almost yeah. kind of is that kind of like I don't know how this stuff works, but to me, count is a title of importance. Oh yeah, you know <laughs> when you bring up count, it reminds me of uh, the old uh, vampire in uh, some of those old Bugs Bunny cartoons. His name was <laughs> Count Blood Count. <laughs> You know what? The horror episodes of the Bugs Bunny cartoons were always freaking hilarious. Like when he was going up against the vampire and then uh, Bugs Bunny gets the book of spells. <laughs> <laughs> Abracapocus. <laughs> you knew where I was going. <laughs> and then Pocus Cadabra. <laughs> and then uh, what was the one? There was like a, a, a hairy walla monster walla. creature. <laughs> walla Walla Walla. <laughs> And then there was the one uh, where he was going up against the uh, the hairy creature. I don't remember what the name of that creature was. And then, oh, uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. You know the one about. I'm talking about. Yeah. I need, you know what? It's been so long since I've seen those. Those, those cartoons were a staple on Saturday morning TV. Yeah. But, no, they show them on, uh, oh, yeah, Channel 26 every, every day at 6 a.m., Monday through Friday. Yeah, I'm sleeping. I would have got, just gotten home from work like four hours earlier. That's why you have a DVR. Yeah, I could record them, but then I wouldn't watch them because <clears throat> somebody's always a... It's me TV. It's called Tune In With Me. Okay. I'll have to check that out at some point. But, um, yeah. The only thing is, like, there's a lot of filler in there. It's like these really super old cartoons that are kind of creepy. Yeah. Oh, God. Like from the 30s and things. Yeah, where like the, the, the limbs are like uh, like rubber bands and yep, stuff. Yep, yep. And they're always like bouncing up and down while they sit still. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like they were like, they were they were well caffeinated back then. Now that was back before they took the cocaine out of Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah. So Sean, what do you think of this game? You know, it's one of these games that looks really, really fun. But then once you play it, you kind of get bored with it. Mm-hmm. At least I do. In my opinion, it was very repetitive. Yeah. And you really kind of needed to understand. It played like a, a, an 8-bit computer game of the era where you le- kind of needed the manual. It wasn't like, it's not like straightforward what you need to do to kill like, you know, Dracula, Frankenstein, or Chameleon Man. Oh, by the way, if anybody's out there ha- hacks graphics, hack the Chameleon Man into the uh, creature from the Black Lagoon. He's a more interesting character. He's a more interesting character, but I have a theory about this. Chameleon oh. Man, the whole thing is like, when are you supposed to be able to kill Chameleon Man again? Like, it's, it doesn't, the well, background. It, it, I don't think it matters uh, as far oh, as okay. the color. I think you can kill him when he's invisible, but it's just that you hit the buttons to make him easier to see. And he, he doesn't turn invisible. He turns black. They think that, uh, I've read something online that they think that that was actually a bug, that they actually meant him to turn invisible, but that made the game way too hard. Yeah, because I'm wondering if maybe they decided, well, we're going to call this character Chameleon Man, and that's going to explain why he disappears or turns black or whatever. Right. That's my theory. I wonder if they were actually were going to go for like a Black Lagoon thing, but uh, <laughs> yeah, they realized that it was uh, they would have to have paid uh, rights to use the character. That's a possibility, too. Because, <laughs> I mean, they're both, well, no. Chameleons aren't aquatic, though. I mean, he's a lizard, and who knows what the creature is. I mean, he does. He's the gill man. But, uh, yeah. The sound isn't anything spectacular in this game, although there was a, a, a sample at the beginning. I don't remember what he said. <laughs> the graphics are, I don't know. I do like the way Dracula looks in the game. It's a, kind of a, a cute take on Dracula, I guess. But um, 
other than that, the graphics really aren't that inspired. And I don't remember the first place I ever played this. Uh, I know I've played it in the arcade at least once, but I had a hard time figuring out what to do. And I never really understood how to play this game until I was doing more research on it. And that really didn't, uh, <laughs> that really didn't help much. But um, yeah, I never even heard of it until uh, you suggested we talk about it for mm-hmm. the episode. Not a very popular uh, Sega game. No. And I can no. see exactly why. Yeah, and uh, the Orcade.com website, A-U-R-C-A-D-E.com, uh, they list only three instances of these, and at least one place that, that they list is closed permanently. Really? Yeah. Does the ghost have it? Ghost has it, yeah. Okay. And in so fact, only- that's where uh, Orcade's top score is 158,500 courtesy of Andrew Iwasco, Ivashko, I'm not sure how his name's pronounced. He's a regular over at the ghost. And, uh, that was done on February 10th, 2020. Ooh, nice. And that's, uh, anything about twin galaxies on this one? A twin galaxies high score goes back to, uh, February 13th, 1983. So, wow, that's, uh, th- 37 years, almost to the day uh-huh. uh, before, Bob Lynch scored 448,400. Oh, wow. So, so Sean, what do you rate uh, Monster Bash? On our rating system of one through five continues, I rate Monster Bash a three. A three? Three. Wow, I, didn't, I didn't think you were going to go that high with it. Really? Yeah, I, yeah. Well, the thing is, like, it has some promise, but that promise does tend to be kind of almost broken. Mm-hmm. Now, the way I see it, when I was playing Monster Bash... It kind of reminded me of those off-brand Atari 2600 games. Yes. Oh, like something close to like feel. Tax Avoiders where mm-hmm. it could be something really, really, really cool, but very poorly executed. Oh, and by the way, I forgot to mention this uh, trivia. I don't remember the guy's name, but uh, the most famous game he did was Turbo. That was the creator of Monster Bash. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. I agree with it, but I, I think that just the implementation was extremely flawed. I like the the idea, but it's not really pick up and play. You really need to pay attention to the attract mode and all of that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I'm giving it a two. A two. Okay. A I two. can dig that. You can dig. So I think at this point, uh, do we have any, uh, do we have an underwriter? Well, we do have an underwriter. So here's a message from said underwriter. We want your honest opinion. Does this sound fair to you? Save 38 cents on a complete hamburger lunch at Chicken Unlimited. A hefty burger with fries, slaw, beverage, and apple puff, all for 89 cents. That's 38 cents less than menu price. Think that's a good deal? Come on in and enjoy it. At Chicken Unlimited, we're not happy until you are. Save 38 cents on a complete Wamburger lunch this Monday through Thursday, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. So let us uh, move on to newer and greater frontiers and talk about uh, our next game. I agree with you, partly. On what you just said. But yeah, we should move on to the next game, which is Capcom's Ghosts and Goblins. Ghosts apostrophe N Goblins. So they can't even contract and properly. There should be a second apostrophe after the N. But it ain't there. Come on, Capcom. Get with it. I was about to start with um, why I chose this game, but no. I'll get back to that later on in this discussion. 
of this Capcom game, which was released July 7th, 1985 in Japan, according to my sources, September 4th, 1985 in North America, and October 1985 in the Europe. The Europe. Yep. Was it the final countdown? Oh, let's hope so. <laughs> oh, good grief. I keep forgetting whom I'm with whom I'm podcasting here. Mm-hmm. But in Japan, the game was called Makaimura, which translates roughly to Demon World Village. Uh, again, I'm sure Plaid Mouse... Plaid, Plaid Mouth. <laughs> I'm sure Plaid Mouth could uh, correct me. That's actually a pretty damn cool name. <laughs> what, Plaid Mouth? No, uh, Demon World Village. Oh, Demon World Village. Okay. That's pretty cool. Because, and because I like to talk about superficial things like this, the control panel consists of a ambidextrous four-way joystick with a red ball top. Yes. And uh, two sets of buttons, too. Uh, the inner buttons oh, are your goodness. fire buttons, and they're red. And the outer buttons are your jump buttons, and they're yellow. The reason that you have the jump button is basically you have... Re- okay, now, many sources say that Ghosts and Goblins is a side-scrolling platformer. Which is true to an extent mm-hmm. for part of the game, but to me, I see it more as a fight and go right. No, I, I, I don't because there's no fisticuffs. But you're still fighting and you're going right. You're just using weapons. It's still a platformer. I, and if you I just get your point, there, but I think yeah, you're wrong. But I mean, the thing is, it's still the same kind of thing as many of your beat-em-ups because you got to constantly fight off attackers that come at you from various directions, they never stop generating. But unlike those games, in this game you have a projectile you can, uh, that your your only weapon is a projectile that you shoot at them. The other games, while you might get a projectile weapon, you also can beat them up with your fists. Yeah, but uh, due to the nature of the enemies here, they cannot be beaten up with fists. I, I get your point, but I disagree. But can, please, please continue. <laughs> I don't want to continue because I now nah, I'll get to that in a moment. But um, the backstory, well, it's not really a backstory, but the story behind the game itself is that you have a character named Arthur and the love of his life, Princess Prin Prin. Who comes up with these stupid names? Prin Prin. Who would name a child Prin Prin? Well,. That's a good question. Oh, Hank, she's beautiful. What should we name her? Well, uh, I think we should call her Prin Prin. <laughs> General naming advice to potential parents. If you cannot find that name on a souvenir miniature license plate in a gift shop, you're doing something wrong. Okay? You're doing something wrong. And I can't find any of my kids' names in the, on a license plate. One of them I can understand. Also, keep in mind, potential parents, your child's name is going to have to end up on a resume someday. So, someone's going to see Prin Prin and say, who the hell's this? I don't want someone named Prin Prin (laughs) working for me as my CFO. (laughs) Good grief. But anyway, they're hanging out in the cemetery because, Uh of course, that's what you do on a date. You go to the friggin' cemetery. And um, basically what happens is... There's a Satan-like enemy who kidnaps Prin Prin, and hence there is your goal, to rescue Prin Prin. Prin Prin. Because who wouldn't want to rescue somebody named Prin Prin? Prin Prin. I wonder if it's short for Dad, meet my girlfriend. Her name is Prin Prin. She's going to have dinner with us tonight. (sighs) Sorry. (laughs) 
And basically your job is to walk through lots of spooky scenarios and shoot and attack uh, different enemies. You got zombies, you got your demons, all kinds of stuff like that. And I'm just going to tell you right now that that's really all I can tell you from my experience playing the game. Because this is seriously, except for maybe um, Dragon's Lair, mm-hmm. this is the most unplayable arcade game I have ever encountered. Really? Yes. Huh. I spent hours upon hours getting it just barely past that platform stage where you're jumping around and... Uh, you have like one chance to, uh, there's like a little trampoline at the end to land on that and get out. I've tried continues. Oh, I've tried I know what you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have no idea what most of this game looks like. Well. I didn't even bother looking at YouTube to watch a game in progress. Now, the angry video game nerd has a uh, episode about the NES version of this game. Yeah. And uh, it the NES version pretty much parallels this game. I have never made it all the way through either game. I could only get to like the third or fourth round at my best, which yeah, which was not very good. I couldn't and do that without a save state. You no, know, I on this one when I was playing it recently, I put the cheats on because I had never seen the end, and I, I wanted to see if the end of this game was the same as the end of the NES version. Spoiler: the end of the NES version. It's uh, when you defeat the last boss. It's uh, the screen tells you the game tells you. This room is a trick devised by Satan. Go through, you got to go through it all again to get the good yeah. ending. Basically, you got to play through the whole thing twice. Yeah, the arcade version is like that too. You have the to... arcade version does that too. Yeah. This game is exceedingly difficult. I still like it, but I think the, uh, well, you haven't gone on to the sequels or ports or anything. No, so not yet. Yeah, I'm not there yet. do that, but, but do continue, do continue. But yeah, and actually the Satan character, his name is uh, Astaroth. But uh, your job is to go uh, win Prin. I'm sorry, I can't. I just can't get past. And your Prin character's Prin. name is Arthur. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good grief! But uh, yeah, you have uh, a lance at your disposal. That's your default weapon. Uh, when you destroy enemies and things, you're going to encounter special things that drop from time to time. Sometimes they they include weapons. Uh, there's a dagger. There is a torch. By the way, the dagger is pretty much similar to the lance, except it can go a little bit uh, faster. So you can throw a few more at a time than you could at the uh, with the lance. Because as with most video games, you're only a- allowed a certain number of shots on the screen at the same time. There's a torch that I actually like the torch. I kind of like it. It's It seems to me that when I have the torch, I can go a little bit farther than with uh, the other weapons. Mm-hmm. There is a axe that can actually go right through your enemies. So it might not be the most helpful thing in the universe. And um, there is a shield that you can throw as well. In Japan, by the way, it is a cross and not a shield. And um, there are different items that you can pick up as well that are besides weapons. When you uh, fight off the enemies, there are dolls and accessories and the accessories, I don't know how to describe the accessories. The dolls are basically, like they look like little uh, statues, essentially. But the accessories, they look like, say, I don't know, there's one thing that looks like a mood ring. There's another that looks like a slipper. Another one that looks like either a party dress or a bell. 
So I don't know what the hell it is. <laughs> uh, there is a crown. There's some kind of necklace. And there are other things that your enemies could drop. There is a coin that you can pick up for 200 points. There's a money bag that you can pick up to earn 500 points. Now, something that I couldn't find any reference to anywhere was, uh, I know there was something that I found that I could pick up. Now, you're allowed two hits per life. It's right. like mm -hmm. any other game, you get three lives, you get hit once, your armor falls off, and you're pretty much naked except for your weapon. I always thought that was funny. Yeah, but it was done much better in Rampage. But Yeah, maybe. But it, I just found it annoying. And... I know that there was something that I picked up that restored my armor. Yeah, there's to time. Um, in one of the, the the enemies that carries like that little basket or whatever. If you shoot it, yeah. every now and then you'll get something that will re restore your armor. Yeah, yes. that's that's probably what it is. But there's a whole slew of different enemies and bosses in there that I'm really not going to get into because it'll take forever to talk about them. And we've already gone on long enough, and quite frankly, I've talked more about this game than I ever wanted to in my life. The reason that when Jim offered me a choice of focusing on Ghosts and Goblins or Monster Bash is that, I'm just going to say it right now, I effing hate Ghosts and Goblins with every every little inch of my being. And those of you who haven't uh, seen me, I'm a pretty big guy. I'm tall and I'm obese. So that's a lot of inches right there to hate mm -hmm. through. And I'm not a hateful person. This makes me change my mind. This game oh, makes boy. me change my mind. I've hated it for years. I always have. It's just <sighs> the projectiles that come at you come from all directions. You don't have much of a chance to dodge them. You don't have much of a chance to kill off the people that are, well, people for, I'm using that phrase loosely to knock them off before they knock you off. It's just really, really ridiculous. There is one stage that I, there, one thing about this game that I did like, and um, let's see, what stage is it? It is, um, I think it's the third stage that has all the, uh, is it the third stage? No. Yeah, I've only made it to the second stage, but <laughs> I, I love those. It, it's the first part of the second stage. Uh -huh. The ice palace, I think is what you want to call it. I think that's a that's a fun level of play. And the first time I ever got to that, I actually made it past the Ice Palace in one life without tr mm -hmm. with, without trying a hell of a lot. Of course, every other time I played it after that, I could not. But I like that. I like the Ice Palace. And quite frankly, I really, really honestly don't want to talk any more about the game itself. Because the more I think about it, the angrier I get. And Well... Uh, I really don't want to get angry on a Saturday evening. We usually record on Saturday evenings. Today is no exception. So Here's I'm the just thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I get where you're coming from. This is an extremely difficult game and in some cases maybe even unfair. But uh, I'm going to point out a few positive things. This game is beautiful to look at. The graphics are incredible. And it's got some really good sound too. The graphics and sound are fine. It's not the the sound is a little bit rubbery. No, I don't agree. As many games of its era tend to be, especially with Capcom. And that's another thing. It might also be just a prejudice that I have because in general, I don't really like Capcom games. Mm -hmm. In general, there are some exceptions. Like for example, Capcom Bowling, I think is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. 
But yeah, I mean, yeah, it's nice to look at. But another problem I have with the game is that every time you start a life, you have to sit through a little introduction screen. That really tests my lack of patience. Yeah, I, I'll agree with you there. I think that uh, intros should be skippable at the very yeah. minimum. I, I, I'll agree with you on that one. But anyway, Jimmy G, please go on with uh, what you believe are positives. Well, the graphics are uh, positive and the, uh, the sound I really like. The soldiers' costumes are very realistic. That's positive. <laughs> I'd say it's fairer than the, uh, the NES version. There's... Because to, to defeat the guy at the end, there's a specific weapon you have to use. And in the NES version, there's a place where uh, the wrong weapon will drop, and you pretty much don't have much of a choice but to go that direction, and you can't jump over it. Uh, and so you, if you don't have the right weapon, you'll have to go back and get the right weapon and figure out. The, the Angry Video Game Nerd covered this in his episode. But I did not encounter that when I uh, put on the cheats in this. Uh, Should this we link that in the show notes, by the way? We should link that in the show. Notes. Okay. Uh, I didn't encounter that in this one. The only cheats I put on were invincibility and uh, lives because there was one platform scream that I was having a hell of a time getting past until I learned the trick to jumping up to different platforms. Uh, I think that was around level four. But um, I don't hate this game. In fact, I'm going to just lower my Benedict score. Arnold. I, I'm going to lower my score by one, actually. I guess it's difficult as all hell, and it does have, I think it does have a few cheap deaths, but... Uh, it is unfairly difficult. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like I said, I don't hate it, but I don't really go to it either. So, it's it lands like kind of right in the middle for me. And I don't understand why... It was, a, it was massively popular. Why? I think the NES version was more popular than the arcade version. Maybe that's why. Maybe it just kind of spread from there. Yeah. Now, to be now, the first place I ever played the arcade version was at the Putt Putt Golf and Games on Essington Road in Joliet, Illinois. Yeah, for me, it, it was definitely Galloping Ghost, and, I, and so, it was sometime after No Quarters episode about Ghosts and Goblins mm-hmm. happened because I was and, curious. So, why don't we talk about? Uh, I think you've said everything you want to say about this. So, why don't we talk about scores? Well, um, I'll go the other way around this time to start with Twin Galaxies. Yeah, Twin Galaxies is starting to use handles now, so I don't know who this person actually is, but uh, on Twin Galaxies, he goes by Stroganoff. His record was certified November 16th, 2021, and uh, that was 1,131,000. I'm going to have to watch that video mm-hmm. just to see how that chappy did it. And uh, Orcade.com is uh, pretty close, um, just a couple of thousand points shy on that one. At Galloping Ghost, of course, Dustin Long, on December 18th, 2016, scored 1,129,200. Nice. There were a ton of ports of, the, of this. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, the uh, Nintendo had it on several different systems. They had it on the NES, the Game Boy Advance, the Game Boy Color, the Virtual Console, which we haven't really talked that much about. Yeah, it's basically just the NES store on the Switch. Yeah, and and, of, and it was on the Switch, of course. Uh, Commodore had it on three different computers, the 64, the 16, and the Amiga. Atari ST had it, ZX Spectrum, Amstrad CPC. It was out for PCs as well, the NEC PC 8801, iOS, Android, Sega Saturn, and three different Sony PlayStation consoles, the 
PlayStation, PS2, and the PSP. It -hmm. was on the Xbox, and there was a Java port of it called Ghosts and Goblins Gold. Huh. And there are almost as many, there, there are roughly as many sequels, too. There was Ghouls and Ghosts, Super Ghouls and Ghosts, which was only on consoles. There was uh, Makimura for Wonderswan, uh, Wonderswan being the Bandai handheld console. Ultimate Ghosts and Goblins, which is only on the PlayStation. Ghosts and Goblins Gold Knights and Ghosts and Goblins Gold Knights 2, both of which were on iOS. Ghosts and Goblins Resurrection on PC and different uh, modern consoles, as of uh, this recording, at least they're modern. Uh, Ghosts and Goblins 3D for the PlayStation, which was unreleased. Ghosts and Goblins 64 for the Nintendo 64, also unreleased. And Ghouls and Ghosts Online for Windows, Mac OS X, Sony PlayStation 2, Nintendo GameCube, and the Xbox. All of which, every version of that, Ghouls and Ghosts Online, unreleased. Huh. I didn't realize there were so many sequels. Yeah, and there are also some spinoffs, too. Oh? Yeah, at least the ones I'm going to talk about, I'm going to mention here, are on Nintendo consoles. Okay. There's Gargoyle's Quest on the Game Boy, Gargoyle's Quest 2 on the NES, Gargoyle's Quest 2 The Demon Darkness on the Game Boy, unreleased by the way, and Demon's Quest on the SNES. Huh. So, yeah. That is not necessarily every single sequel and spinoff, by the way. Those are just ones that I happen to mention. The only sequel I'm aware of is uh, Ghouls and Ghosts, because that was in the arcade, and yeah. Nintendo made a big deal out of having it on the Super Nintendo. And I think one thing they did in that game would have made this game a lot more playable is uh, in Ghouls and Ghosts, uh, you could actually shoot upwards. Oh. In an upwards direction. And uh, I think that would make this, that would uh, take a little bit of the edge off of this one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Ghouls and Ghosts is way harder. One thing I do have to admit is I do like that you can crouch and shoot in yes. Ghosts and Goblins. Mm-hmm. You found a positive. See, I knew if we worked through your trauma, we could find a positive. <laughs> it's not going to make me play the damn game again, though. It doesn't make the hurt go away. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> to quote Crow T. Robot. Of course. My favorite host segment where they talk about the uh, Pina Colada song. <laughs> the actual name of which, by the way, is, is Escape. Escape, the Pina Colada song. song. Yep. So, what are you rating it? <laughs> Do I have to ask? Let me guess. Let me get let me get my psychic abilities going here. As a reminder to those who uh, don't remember what our rating system is on, it is a inclusive scale of one through five continues. Some people one say stars. Some people say, um, I don't know, other stars. We say continues. So I'm going to get my psychic abilities here going. Okay. It's, uh, okay. The number, it's, uh, Three letters long. We don't have that much time. Hurry up with your psychicness. Uh, it starts with an O. Starts with o. o. Um, bah, 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 bah. Ooh, sounds like one. one. You're giving it one continue. Fine. We'll make it one continue. Okay. Yay. You happy? I'm, gi- I'm giving it three. You I don't hate the game, but I don't love it either. Oh, man. I think there's something to love with this. If... I were forced to build an arcade for hell. This would be one of the games. Ghosts and Goblins would be in it along with, oh, what's that really annoying one that I can't stand that has the little 
lever thing on it. Um, Lunar Lander. Oh, and actually, if this was a game in hell, uh, it would be uh, apropos in more than one for more than one reason. Well, yeah, kind of, sort of, yeah. And um, let's see what else. Professor Pac-Man for sure. So, yes, so that is our games. And uh, we do have (laughs) some uh, listener feedback in both the email and audio variety. And I can't find my copy of the email one. So you want to read that one, Sean? Yeah, I will. Let's start with the uh, reedy part and we'll go to the uh, recordy part afterwards. So let me see this uh, reedy part comes from a gentleman named, uh, I think he, I think it's a gentleman at least, named Craig Schober, who says, Greetings, Sean and Jim. I've been an admirer of your show for some years now, well, thank you, and wanted to finally reach out and let you know that I am eager to hear future episodes. Well, thank and have just become a Patreon supporter of the show as well, better late Yay. than ever. Thank you. I want to thank you for your excellent show, including all your research into these classic games, your support of charities, friendly banter with each other, your accessibility into the retro gaming community, uh, your feedback to listeners, your personal and family stories, and of course, your thorough playtesting and reviewing. <laughs> oh, oh, Craig, Craig, How Craig. How do we tell him? How should we break the news? <laughs> uh, I think he already knows, given my uh, assessment of Ghost and Goblin. Oh, speaking of accessibility and stuff, I got my... Um, Midwest Gaming Classic ticket. Really? Yeah. Yeah. As soon as my my wife started collecting paychecks again, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I got to get that while I can. And I shelled out a few extra bucks to get the forever ticket just in case something comes up and I can't go. So I got my ticket for Midwest Gaming Classic and I have my room booked too. So nice. yay. I'm going to have to hold off because uh, there are some things with me that are currently in flux, but no, nah. I, I, I'm... If, if you follow on Discord, uh, on our Discord server, you might know what I'm talking about. So I'm not yeah, but... But anyway, uh, do continue. Okay, yeah. Uh, sorry about that, Craig. Uh, Craig goes on to say, from your podcast, I've checked out all the adjacent retro gaming ones and podcasting friends of the show, but I always come back to the original to see what you two are up to. Aww. Over the past few years, I've made some big life changes, and I'm certain that your podcast helped me get through some of these changes. My wife and I and our two dogs drove all of our belongings, we fitted all into a little Toyota Prius, wow, from New York to California a few years ago, which gave me the opportunity to drive through one of the meccas of retro gaming located just outside of Chicago. I spent a day at Galloping Ghost, and it reinvigorated my interest in not only classic arcade games, but playing them using either original hardware or at least a very close simulation of those controls. When the pandemic hit, I decided to purchase an At Games Legend Ultimate Cabinet and load it up with thousands of classic games, which I, of course, legally own. (laughs) With a little smiley face there. Yep. I believe that you both prefer the original hardware when it comes to gaming. Yeah, who doesn't? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. But that you also are occasionally forced to play the games in MAME or some other emulation due to technical limitations and limited availability of older hardware. Mm Mm-hmm. I realize that you both have access to many arcades in your area, but have you considered one of these MAME cabinets that include joysticks, trackballs, spinners, and enough buttons for any game imaginable? I have considered it, uh, (laughs) and uh, I don't have the room nor the money. 
You, you really don't. I mean, I really don't. Yeah. We live in a large house, but we got like five people in here and yeah. we got a lot of stuff that we got. Yeah. I live in a three bedroom apartment and we have yeah. two people and one dog and you'd be, you'd be amazed at how much we can. And since it's a beagle that uh, roughly translates to four people. Oh yeah. 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 At least maybe you just don't have space in your homes or the funds, or maybe you don't want to physically isolate yourselves from the retro gaming community. Enjoy the socialization aspect of arcades. Okay. Truth be told, I really don't talk to people that much at arcades. I mean, I have, I have, well, we both have plenty of friends who go, but yeah, we don't always see each other. Yeah. that's true because we're, we generally have our noses buried in a game. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And, (laughs) and, uh, actually, uh, when I was at, uh, Retrocade last weekend, one of the regulars was there, but I didn't see her at all for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And um, I think she arrived when I had taken my movie break too, so that's probably why. But ah. anyway, um, he says, uh, Craig says, I'm an introvert. Yep, me too. <laughs> and enjoy spending hours a day alone thinking, working, playing games, etc. But what about yourselves? Oh, I just said, sorry. <laughs> yeah, what about ourselves? Yeah, I, I am definitely an introvert. I'm still shocked that I'm married. But I, I guess don't know it's. How- with me, I guess it's situational. I mean, I have friends, but yeah, I'm an introvert. Yeah. Anyway, go uh, back to Craig, who says, one of my favorite pastimes is listening to you both talk about a game while I play that game on my cabinet. Oh, oh neat. nice. Some of the games you have reviewed were new to me. Really? <laughs> huh. Can't imagine everybody. everybody's familiar with all the games we talk about, right? He says, uh, some of the games you've reviewed were new to me, so I would literally play them for the first time as you both talk through the story, controls, scoring, and backstory about the developers. It feels like there is a potential spinoff podcast whereby players would play classic games and hosts would provide audio walkthroughs in history. Kind of like DVD hmm. director's commentary crossed with an online video game walkthrough. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I do not need another project right now. <laughs> I always feel a sense of accomplishment. If I can beat your score, oh, please. If you can beat our scores, that's not really saying much. Well, I mean, but you are better. <laughs> that you, You're really good at, like, the Turbo Ms. Pac-Man and Mr. Do. And that, for the average person, that's a, that's a compliment. I suck at most games. <laughs> uh, quadriplegic could beat me at pretty much any game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, same here, really. Anyway, so I just feel a sense of accomplishment if I could beat your scores, even if you admittedly aren't very good at that particular oh, well, game. Oh, well, there we go. However, I don't think I'll ever beat Sean's Mr. Do or Super Pac-Man scores, no. but it's still fun to try. Oh, I also bested my Mr. Do score in MAME recently. Oh, nice. It's like I'm, I'm up to, I think, 473,000. I think yeah. I have too much ADD to learn. Uh, I think all of, all of us like gamey people and tech people have ADD, to be quite honest with you. That would not surprise me. That's why I still haven't finished Craig's email yet, because I probably have ADD. <laughs> uh, let's see. So I've begun compiling a short list of games that I'd love to hear your take on. So here they Oh, cool. Okay. Oh, let's hear what he has to say. Yeah, let's, okay. Well, he says Space Lords is an incredible Atari game from the early 90s that no one ever talks about. I've yeah, they have that at the Ghost. Hmm. It's, uh, remember we talked about the Nintendo versus cabinet, how it was kind of like two cabinets like fused together. That's kind of what like uh, Space Lords is. Huh, okay. He says, I first stumbled onto this game at the arcade in Penn Station in Manhattan way back in the Ferg. Okay, that must have been before 1998 because I didn't go to Penn Station very much, like at, at all before 1998, and I never saw an arcade there. <laughs> yeah, I only first saw that game at uh, Galloping Ghost. I never even knew yeah. it was a thing. 
Let's see. Craig says, I was immediately taken with the 2.5D graphics, controls, and overall first-person space shooter theme. This game does a fantastic job of recreating the excitement of first-person space combat and all with older hardware. There's something almost Disney-esque or rotoscopy about the way that enemy ships streak across your vantage point, changing angle and velocity relative to your piloting skills. I've never had many friends in my adult life, but this game makes me wish I had a lot of friends just so I could play with all of them and network the machines together for up to eight players at once. I guess that might sound a bit antisocial, but I'm a work in progress. Yeah, we all are, man. The control scheme is fairly unique, making it difficult to recreate in my main cabinet, Mm -hmm. but like my interpersonal relationships, I'm working on that too. (laughs) I'm not a big collector of anything and am trying to cut down on my material possessions, but I would buy an original Space Lord's cabinet if one were to appear on my radar. And good luck with that. I imagine those would be pretty dang expensive. Yeah. The next one he talks about, I'm really curious about now. Frisky Tom is a solid game that involves a plumber and some pipe-gnawing mice. It's not a particularly great game by any standards, but it was the first arcade cabinet I ever owned, not by choice, so the game has some sentimental value for me. I would enjoy hearing you both discuss the merits and failures of this game. There's actually, they found a prototype of that game for the Atari 5200. Really? Yep. Major Havoc. Oh, yeah, we have not talked about that yet. I thought we did. I don't think so. That's the one with, that has a, a joystick and a spinner, right? Well, it just, no, it has game. a roller. Roller or a, a ro- spinner. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, we definitely we... have not talked about that. Oh, you know what? I know an easy way to find out. I'm going to go to piefactorypodcast.com. Let's see. Piefactorypodcast.com. Games discussed. M-A-J. Yep. We did not talk about it. I okay. was right, Cabinet I Sanchez. I we did. I don't see it on the list, but it's I'm I'm adding games here. Major Havoc could have been an Atari classic, but I think it arrived just as the big arcade crash began, so it was Wait, overshadowed and on. forgotten by many. I, I wrote down Major Tom. <laughs> good grief. You would. You would. Hey, I like David Bowie. Uh, you would. Uh, let's see. Of course, there was a guy who did a song called Major Tom in the 80s, and, this, and the David Bowie song Space Oddity and that one were not related. Trying to think of it. See, he also says Excite Bike isn't one of my favorites, but it's a solid little racer with some interesting game mechanics. That was an arcade. I thought it was only an NES game. No, arcade. it was on the Versus Cabinet. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, Russian Attack, aka Green Marie, is one of my. That's yeah. That's a big. Uh, it's one of the few Konami shoot. games that I've always enjoyed. Yeah, I'm not a Konami fan either. <laughs> Steel Talons is another great Atari game, but even more of a helicopter flight simulator. Hmm, sounds interesting. There is, uh, it was actually on the Atari 7800 uh, parts list. Huh, interesting. Don't Steel know how talents? they would pull it up. Yeah, don't know how oh. they'd pull that off. I've actually huh. seen that cabinet. That's not a cabinet that's going to be easy to emulate because it has actual helicopter controls. I mean, not actual, but I mean, they the controls actually, they, they look like helicopter controls. Hmm. But I will put that on the list. I don't think they have, I don't know of anyone that has that around. These are the few games that come to mind, but I'm sure I could dig up a lot more. You guys might even be playing and planning reviews for some of them as I write this. (laughs) Anyway, I added seven games to the list, and one was one I, one is one that I thought of while he was talking, and that was Thunderblade. Kaboom. 
Anyway, feel free to read this email on your show. Oh, yeah, I should have checked first, shouldn't I? Oh, crap. Oops. <laughs> it's kind of like how when you're watching an old videotape and the threatening FBI message comes at the very end after you may have already <laughs> copied it. And it's like, oh, crap. Oh, God. You ever see the movie uh, Amazon Women on the Moon? There was a, a part there about the video pirates. Um, <laughs> and there's some pirates and they uh, unload a treasure chest full of pirated videotapes. And uh, they pop one in the, the player and the FBI warning pops up and the lead pirate's like, oh, I'm so scared. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, Craig movie. says, I have many stories about my introduction to various games and gaming platforms throughout the decades. So I hope to share more thoughts and stories with you in the future if you'll humor me. <laughs> humor. <laughs> <laughs> like we yeah. know what that is. <laughs> yeah, sincerely, Craig. Yeah, Craig, thanks so much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Nice to have other new... Uh, as, as per usual, we're always open to emails, suggestions, oh, yeah. yep. audio su submissions. And uh, if you have a good chili recipe, share that too. I love chili. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, and especially if you got a good chili recipe that doesn't have onions so that Sean can enjoy it. Yeah. Or beans. I can't stand beans. It's like, yeah. Well, why you don't have to put, put beans in chili. Some yeah. chilies are all why meat. Do, why do people chili? put beans in chili? It's like ruining a cookie by putting nuts in. I mean, I got nothing against nuts, but you know, you don't want nuts in your cookie. Anyway, sorry. Uh, sorry, Craig. Again, <laughs> I, I was, thank you. My mind was working overtime. On yeah, I am sure it was. Yes. <laughs> uh, Craig, I'm so sorry that you have to put up with, uh, with our crap like this. Um, so thanks for, uh, writing to us, Craig. And you know who else, uh, wrote to us? Who did? Well, scattered frog. Could you please introduce who did? Good morning, Jim and Sean and fellow Pie Factory Podcast listeners. This is Plaid Mouse coming to you from Wilmington, Delaware at 5.50 in the morning. Um, I actually made an early recording, uh, but uh, made a goof, and so I'm re-recording. So here we are. Hopefully this one goes better. I really need to get uh, audio uh, editing software. Why am I up so early? Well, my in-laws are visiting from Japan, and they're still jet-lagged. And uh, we're also going to Cooperstown, uh, New York today to see the Baseball Hall of Fame, so that's pretty exciting. Always wanted to uh, see so that. So I'm, I'm pumped for that. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get into some of the other things um, I wanted to talk about. So this is obviously the ad-lib section <laughs> of, of my submission regarding uh, some of the things uh, that we, uh, we went over in episode 140. Uh, first and foremost, I want to say that I love the new theme song. It's absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Thank you so much. I really, really, really love it. And that's a good I'll segue into my weird uh, record collection. I do have a lot of new wave and synth pop and post-punk and a lot of things with... Um, you know, synthesizers and bass and, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, but uh, it's, it's, it's fairly eclectic. Um, I mean, I've got things that you've probably never heard of, uh, things from, you know, Japan and Germany and Spain and sure. all sorts of music, uh, you know, from classical and country and rock and roll to <clears throat> jazz and Dr. Demento, that, that sort of stuff. So, so yeah, we'll have to uh, trade notes sometime because uh, music's a lot of fun. I did want to comment on the uh, passing of Bob Barker, um, uh, host oh, of The Price yeah. is Right, uh, the longtime host of The Price is Right. Uh, he died about a month ago. It's a shame, but unfortunately, uh, that's the way life goes uh, for all of us. You know, it was uh, fun watching him on um, 
weekday uh, morning television when we were home sick from school lying on the couch that uh, it's good memories there so thanks for uh, chicken soup and you know thinking and about seven up. him and, and, and his legacy uh, though I do think uh, Drew Carey's doing a fine job with the prices right I like Drew let's see he's okay uh, I wanted to comment on my uh, faux pas for uh, over and out uh, thank you for correcting my poor radio uh, sign off etiquette there Sean Sean lives so, for correcting people I will uh, not be out. I will be listening because <laughs> I want to hear what everybody else has to say about these wonderful games. Finally, for the AdLib section, I wanted to talk about the Atari 2600 Plus. This looks really cool. I, I'm usually not real keen on, on newer systems. I just like the older games. I'm not real interested in newer games. But this this looks like something I might actually purchase. And more than anything, it's because it can play the old cartridges, uh, which is awesome. Um, I bought a 7800 uh, years ago in order to play my old 2600 uh, cartridges and, and 7800 cartridges, which I, I didn't have uh, growing up. I did have 2600, though. But, um, uh, you know, really enjoying it. And, um, but yeah, this this would be nice, you know, to be able to play uh, my cartridges and and hook up to modern televisions, you know, get clear picture. I still have an RF feed for my 7800, which I mean works fine as long as you lay the wire just right. Uh, but uh, yeah, I might actually look into this. This looks pretty cool. All right, well, on to the games. Uh, Ghosts and Goblins. Ooh. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's a great classic game. I love the cartoony gothic spookiness of it. Uh, it's notoriously difficult, however. But uh, if you uh, have great reflexes, uh, you can do well in this game. Uh, despite the difficulty, it's so much fun that you want to keep trying. Uh, that's always a sign of a great game. Uh, I got a high score of 14,500 points. I, I also got to the first boss, but uh, couldn't get past him. Uh, so I'm not much of a defender of the living against the uh, undead. <laughs> Nonetheless, it's a solid 3 out of 5 continues. Monster Mash, uh, or excuse me, Monster Bash. Oof. Monster Mash is the song. Monster Bash. Uh, this is a cute little puzzler from Sega. I like that they use the public domain characters of Dracula and Frankenstein's monster. Note that I said Frankenstein's monster and not Frankenstein, uh, the creator, mm -hmm. uh, though they do use his well castle, done. but I guess that's fair game since he ran away. However, however, wherever they got the chameleon man, I don't know. I guess the Wolfman was out to lunch. <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed that musical segue. Uh, love Warren Zevon. Uh, that's by far my favorite song of his. Um, <laughs> I once was invited out by uh, a lovely family from a church when I lived out in California when I was working out there uh, for about six years, and uh, we got to talk about music, and I played this, and the look of horror, <laughs> honest to goodness horror, on uh, <laughs> uh, the, the daughter's faces when I played this, and the father was just, the father and I were just laughing it up. Good times. Anyway, uh, finish up with a monster uh, bash. It's a good challenge that I would like to revisit from time to time. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have a, a high score. I forgot to, wrote, <laughs> to write it down. I guess I could have played it again, but uh, I, I did promise Jim and Sean that I would get this recording out this week, uh, and so I'm doing it last minute while I'm up and about, uh, you know, no, before the sun has risen today um, to get it out to them. So uh, thank you, Jim and Sean, for uh, all that you do uh, for uh, the classic gaming community uh, with this podcast and in other means. 
again, uh, greetings to everyone who listens. Uh, it's a real joy to uh, listen to your submission. So please, please uh, submit. Um, and um, yeah, let's continue to make uh, the Pie Factory podcast a fantastic podcast. All right. Well, this is Plaid Mouse saying over. I will see you later. A couple things I want to say. Shouldn't he have said out since he was basically exiting the conversation? Oh, I don't know. But a couple of things. First of all, I can take or leave Warren Zevon, but I do like the name of his uh, greatest hits album, Enjoy Every Sandwich. Yeah. That's a great life philosophy. Enjoy every sandwich. That's what he said on uh, The Late Show, right? In his last appearance? I think so. Yeah. But uh, a couple of things. He was mentioning the Atari uh, 2600 Plus. One thing we forgot to mention uh, when we talked about Atari buying Atari Age from Albert. Albert's going to be at the PRGE. Yeah. And he was actually taking over filling out the uh, compatibility list. Oh, nice. For Atari. For that thing. And he's told people, I just saw this today, I believe on uh, the Atari Age Facebook page, where he's encouraging people to bring in their Atari cartridges so that they can test them. Hmm. Uh, at the PRGE. So he's in charge of uh, filling out the compatibility list, which uh, if anybody's going to do it, uh, do a good job with that, that will be Albert. Anybody going, if you have a multi-cart to test with it, bring it. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Secondly, well, actually third thing, but um, uh, he was mentioning, uh, one thing I forgot to mention about Monster Bash was that uh, he was talking about where they got Chameleon Man from, and you know we kind of already discussed that. The interesting thing is, in the uh, the flyer for Monster Bash, it shows Frankenstein's a monster. I mean, everyone just calls him Frankenstein. Let's not be pedantic about it. We know who we're talking about. Uh, they talk uh, in the show Dracula. Uh, I, I agree with Plaid Mouse. We should be talking about the monster. <laughs> but they don't have Chameleon Man on the flyer. They have the werewolf. So, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, I, I feel, interesting. And uh, you have anything to add to Plaid Mouse's uh, uh, voicemail? Not to his uh, submission, but you were kind of wondering under your breath if he's ever hung out with Ferg. I did a quick look up and where Ferg lives and where Plaid Mouse lives. It's about, I didn't realize Delaware was this big, but that's a three hour drive. Really? Yeah. I mean, let me double check. I might have actually had it set for bike direct. No, no. Oh, oh, that's with uh, mass transit. Never mind. Yeah, I was going to uh, say. But oh, okay, yeah. It's an, it's only like an hour drive, actually. So It's yeah, a three-hour drive from where I live down to Mattoon, maybe even yeah, further. Right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I've actually probably driven past uh, uh, we're in where Plaid Mouse lives several times because uh, uh, I've been through Newcastle many times. In fact, right outside Newcastle is the uh, – well, I mentioned this before, but that's where the Waffle House is that I mm. once went to and wasn't very good. I've driven through Dover and driven through uh, Wilmington. On our honeymoon, the, uh, my and wife honeymoon, on the last day of our trip, we uh, we went to Washington, D.C. The last day of our trip, we took our rental car. We had a few hours before we had to go back to the airport. We decided to see how many states we could hit before we got had to drop our car back off. And obviously uh, – uh, let's see, Virginia, Maryland, Delaware, popped into New Jersey for a moment and popped into Pennsylvania for a moment. <laughs> you can visit six states within the span of three hours. Wow. <laughs> yeah, th- them, them states be tiny. Huh. So thank you again, Flat Mouse, for your submission. And, well, Ferg's uh, not far from Chestertown, Maryland. Huh. Oh. There you- Meanwhile, everybody's trying to triangulate where Ferg is. <laughs> Computer, isolate every bakery in Delaware. (laughs) (laughs) 
any rate, but we 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 have fun. We kid. We kid. We kid because we care. Oh yeah, we should probably re- announce our theme for the uh, today's episode. But oh I, yeah, but it was kind of obvious. I mean, it was our Halloween spooky episode. And uh, boy, did I was going to say that we should also have a theme of. Uh, uh, one thing I didn't mention is that in Ghosts and Goblins, if you want to activate the continue feature, of course you got to have a credit. But to actually continue, you have to hold down a fire button and a jump button and tap the player button. And I think with um, Monster Bash, to do that continue feature, you also have to do kind of a combination. Uh, I don't remember what off the top of my head, but it's not quite as complicated. Well, like I said, I didn't bother continuing it, so I don't know. But uh, that's something we could think of. Do we have people we need to thank? Oh, yes, we do, actually. And and that's also something you can see on our website as well if you go to About Us and then Credits. Um, But uh, these people that I want to thank who are awesome, they are PJ Steele, Underground Retrocade, Rory Coleman, Kurt Musgrave, Keith Sheehan, Nate Lockhart, Daniel Chavez, Richard Valdez, Dean Schmidt, Timmy Mack, Mike Hat NJ. Retro Game Club Podcast, D. Alex, Kevin Bean, Atari Bytes, SNES Podcast, Christian Williams, Plaid Mouse, Mark Super, and our latest Patreon sponsor, Craig Schober. All these people wonderfully helped us out monetarily with Patreon. And there is going to be a little feature I'm going to put on Patreon soon. Um, uh, Spoiler alert, where it's going to be is, for those of you curious, using basically the guideline of my father giving me a dollar to use at Aladdin's castle. See how long that would last if I dedicated that dollar to a single game. So that's that's something I'm going to start doing kind of regularly, using an actual arcade cabinet whenever possible. You know, I think we should do something very special for our uh, patron sponsor, Patreon sponsors now that we have them listed on our website. Yeah. Here, here's my proposal. We bring back the HTML blink tag. Ooh. And encase their names in the blink tag so that their names blink on the page. They're only going to blink if the browser is supporting the blink tag. They don't m- oh, modern browser. Yeah, that's true. Anymore. Oh, it was deprecated in HTML 4.0. Darn it. Yeah. Oh, boy. Well, we'll have to figure something else out. Oh, we could do it through JavaScript, though. Ooh. We could use yeah, JavaScript ooh, to make go. it blink. So I think we will talk about our uh, games for the next episode. Oh, yeah. Do tell. Uh, they will be join them. Oh, let's Uncle Pooh <laughs> <laughs> and Fozon. Join them and Fozon. This is going to be an interesting episode. We'll have that out sometime in November. So, yep. So, so I guess that's it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, uh, you got anything you want to say? Idol worship and other primitive pleasures. There we go. And remember to support your local arcade. And, if, and don't even forget if it, to stay D. De- oh, we can't do that. Delicious. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, same. This episode of the Pie Factory podcast was edited and produced by Hyde St. Pierre. Opening and closing theme is the Happy L composed by Sean Courtney. Love theme from Adenda and Arata was composed by Jim Goble. Follow the Pie Factory podcast online via Facebook, on Twitter at Pie Factory PFP, or on PieFactoryPodcast.com. Support the show at Patreon.com slash Pie Factory Podcast. 
You know what? I just realized while you were looking up the uh, the Twin Galaxies score for this, the Danger Death Race song and the Odd Couple theme sound sound uh, similar. I can kind of see that. Yeah. Do, 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 do. Did Neil Hefty do the Bop It Up Adada song? Bop It Up Adada. Look it up. Look up Bop It Up Adada. Look up Bop It Up Adada. Yeah. See if there's a Wikipedia entry for it. Here's a Wikipedia entry for the movie. <clears throat> Doesn't say much about it. Doesn't say anything about the song, unfortunately. Hmm. Oh, well. What you gonna do? What you gonna do? Make your dream come true. What you gonna do when they come for you? (laughs) 